Yesterday, I got injured walking home from work. My hip's all fucked up now. Getting old sucks, folks. <laughs> used to get injuries from getting violently assaulted on a football field or fighting somebody in jiu-jitsu. Now, I just walk up a hill backwards or walk up a hill funny and my hip's all fucked up. It sucks. So that's the first story. My hip's fucked up because I walked home. I'm only fucking 31. What is going on? Is this what all those old few people were talking about when they used to say, you know, I woke up injured. That's just what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. I just woke up and now I'm injured. But anyways, <laughs> so I got that going on. And then this week I learned something very valuable. I'm sure many people who have traveled know this, but you never help or no good deed goes unpunished. If you help a homeless person and then you go too far, they are going to call you. They're going to somehow track you down. Uh, and if you give a homeless person your number, which I've never done before, but for whatever reason, I helped this guy out and I was like, hey, you're fresh off Ghana or wherever you're from or, or the Congo. <laughs> he told me some story and I believe that uh, bought him a sandwich. I thought I'd never see him again. Uh, and I was doing um, I was doing a meeting outside of a building. He thought I owned the building. So he calls the building the next day where he shows up and it's a shoe store outside of a shoe store. And he goes, uh, the owner of this building, he uh, he buy me shoes, size 12. And then they call me. The, the store calls me and says, uh, you're the owner of this building? And I said, no. And they say, this guy here, <laughs> Poppy, he says he wants a pair of shoes. And I go, bro, <laughs> I don't know. I bought that guy a sandwich. I have no idea what the shoe thing's all about. But anyways, no deed goes, no good deed goes unpunished. On Akeem's Dream Show today, we have a few topics. We're going to be doing it a little bit different. This is current events. So what happened in the world on the week of October, whatever it is, 4th or 3rd or whatever? The first week of October, what happened in the world? This is new Akeem's Dream Show port format. We're going to be doing reports and we're going to be hammering a lot of things. So we got, what we got here? The housing crisis, uh, affordability for homes, essentially the Canadian housing market, what's going on with that? Alberta's news about psychedelics, the Hockey Canada scandal, phone sales dropping and tech sales going boop, and how tech is doing layoffs and how they're, they're making cuts and how it's a huge opportunity for a bunch of people who are out there playing in the stock market. Super Mario Bros movie and then the Elon Musk Twitter deal. First, let's start with the Canadian housing market. So in September, the TD Bank said that the average price of a home in Canada could fall between 20 and 25% from its peak earlier this year in the first quarter of 2023. And why? Why is there a correction coming? Because in September, we saw the lowest amount of home sales in the last 30 years. Why is this happening? Well, the fucking costs of homes are out of control. They're out of fucking control. And everyone might say, yeah, in Vancouver and Toronto, but no, 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 across the prairies and the Maritimes, all across Canada. And this is kind of a key metric or key indicator or vital sign for the rest of the world. But it is hard to buy a home right now. If you are not engaged in the housing market, it could be that you didn't save enough money or you weren't smart in your 20s. But if you're a millennial now and you don't have a house, it's historically relevant because by this point, you probably should have a house, right? People who are entering their 30s or in their 30s, historically, this is around the time that you... Sign that mortgage, get married, boom, 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 line it up, all your ducks in a row. It's not the case anymore. If you don't have a house in your 30s, I am which which I am one of them, uh, and you have a serious down payment, you might be thinking, man, why do I want to engage in the housing market right now? It's overpriced. Um, price 
you know, I'm price inelastic to something where I feel like it's unreasonable. <laughs> so this TD Bank report says that there's a correction between 20 and 25% coming in the first quarter Q1 of 2023, which is good because people who had that down deposit, they want to put it to good use, right? If there's a if there's an overcorrection in the market or if 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 houses are overpriced by 20 to 30% according to this article by TD, that means your down deposit is 30% weaker or 20% weaker than it would be in a regular functioning healthy market for homes. And home buyers, it's it's one of the key metrics and key KPIs, uh, performance indicators for Canadians and really for pet anybody in the modernized world for upper mobility. And, and that's because that's where a lot of people make their wealth, right? They buy their house, they pay it off. That is the number one uh, asset when it comes to wealth creation. If they're not going to be having equity in a business, is going to be tied up in their house. And if you can't even get involved in that game, then you better hope that you have some kind of equity in a stock or uh, a company that you that you work on that appreciates or you build some kind of other asset because you know homes aren't the only asset and I would I would argue they're not even the best asset for but for most people they're the only asset and if you can't even get engaged because the prices are so high where a house right now I think the average house in Canada is cost six hundred sixty five thousand dollars so what is that for a down payment sixty five k who's got sixty five k lying around even if you were the most disciplined person in your twenties. You probably went on vacations. You probably did this and that. You'd have to be super disciplined if you were making like, I don't know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year to save and have liquid, boom, 65K in the bank. Like you'd be a very unique kind of bird. So TD is saying that because of these low home sales and um, it not being good for the economy, there's going to be some kind of a correction that's going to be driven by interest rates, driven by uh, government intervention, which is always a bad sign because the government doesn't know how to make anything grow. But they're gonna, you know, they're gonna try to come in and correct uh, a problem that they helped to create. Two things that impact home affordability is the access to get into the housing market and the housing supply. So, how easy is it to buy a home, and how many homes are there to buy? Those are kind of the two markets or the two kind of aspects that are influencing the affordability uh, question. And if you can't even enter the market because of other headwinds happening in the world. Like it's not all the government's fault. There is a war going on. There was COVID-19. But steadily over the last seven, eight years, the pri the prices of housing have gone up even before COVID, even before the war. So you can't blame it all on those two things that are kind of like acts of God, right? Uh, there's other market things and there's other policies and other ha other issues that are happening on a on an existential system, systematic level that are impacting housing sales and the ability for people to enter the markets. There's an undersupply. There's a huge undersupply. And for the builders, you know, they're getting headwinds and market pressures for uh, material costs, right? Steel, wood, lumber, labor is more expensive here. Everyone says, oh, why can't we build new like the Middle East? Well, we don't have semi-indentured slaves building our homes here. We have to pay everyone all the sub-trades market rates. Uh, you know, the, the banks, they don't have super favorable lending terms unless you're a really established player in the market when it comes to real estate. So on the building side, they have some headwinds. And on the purchasing, on the buyer side, with just your residential, you know, your average Canadian out there, how many of them have that deposit stacked up? And then how many of them can afford a house, right? That is $650,000. I saw this one meme. It says, this is what a million dollars, what I thought a million dollars would get me. And it was in California. 
And it was this immaculate Bruce Wayne style mansion and probably 20, <laughs> you know, 20 rooms and six bathrooms and all this crazy shit and a bowling alley and a fishing tank and an aquarium. Um, now that how that same amount, that same amount of money, that $1 million gets you like a one bedroom, uh, sorry, a two bedroom, one bath, uh, you know, not even semi-detached, <laughs> no garage, uh, 1900 square foot 2000 square foot place million bucks in vancouver or new york or not new york fuck that's a different completely completely different scenario but a place where like the single family housing market is hot so like los angeles san francisco la a million dollars doesn't go very far as doesn't go as far as it used to everyone's got the story of their grandmother mine included where they would buy a house in the 60s for like fucking 50 grand and now it's worth a million. Now that house is worth a million. If you continue on that trend of, you know, 45 years ago to like 45 years in the future, that would mean that that million dollar house is going to be worth something like 15 or 20 million <laughs> in 50 years, which it's not a, it's not beyond the pale, but holy shit, if that's the case, maybe these houses are worth it that are overpriced. But if there's a market correction of 30%, I'd, I'm going to wait to buy it and let it appreciate over the next 50 years. Anyways. So there is some headwinds on both sides, the supply side and then on the buy side. Um, but if you're someone who has even something close in the neighborhood of a $60,000 deposit, why would you even want to enter this market? You're better off maybe educating yourself, increasing your income. Uh, who knows? So there's a lot of options on the table uh, beyond just buying a house, especially if people are getting priced out of the market. And because interest rates are being jacked up, due to the price of gas and all these other headwinds I discussed, it's really throwing people off when it comes to lending markets, right? So mortgages are more expensive. Uh, they're amortized at a higher rate. Uh, you know, I saw this one meme where someone locks in a rate at 1.7%. And, you know, I think the uh, the amortized lifelong spending of the uh, the mortgage is like almost like double or something like that compared to like what it is now where if you want to lock in a rate or, or a percentage point or lock in um, lock in a fixed rate, you're looking at three or four times that amount that it was last year. If it was 1.8% now last year, uh, it, it was increased because of the Bank of Canada being nervous about inflation to like something like, you know, 3% or 4%, something in that neighborhood. It could be brought down, but it's crazy, man. Um, another one of these reports, this is just a mainstream news article, but they say uh, for Canadians 18 to 34, 29%, they were planning to, to delay or deprioritize home buying. And of those younger Canadians surveyed, 31% that their plans to buy a home have not changed. And 40% said they have no plans to purchase a home this year. 40% said they have no plans to purchase a home this year. Smart. I'm one of them. Fuck that. I'm going to enter the market when it makes sense. Because right now, it is making absolute zero sense to participate in this market, man. It's like if cheese cost 20 bucks, I'll wait for it to cost eight again, right? There's no need to rush, right? So uh, while you guys are having your hissy fit with the prices and all these things that are happening in the market, I'm going to wait it out, right? You can wait it out. Uh, and that's what's happening with stocks right now. People who waited it out, now they're buying up a shit ton because it's not priced right, but it's undervalued, right? Uh, so I'm going to wait for the houses to be undervalued and then over time, the markets do increase and the markets do go, go up, but uh, you don't want to buy in the high end, right? It's like at the poker table. 
Um, every uh, every poker table has a sucker, and if you don't know who the sucker is, it's you. So hopefully this segment opened your eyes with regards to the housing market, and uh, if you have that cash sitting around, maybe do not pull the trigger until the second quarter of 2023. Alberta will become the first province to green light and legislate the use of psychedelic-assisted therapy for mental health issues and patients. This is amazing. I've talked about on this podcast ad nauseum about the potential for psychedelics when it comes to mental health, therapy, all the medical advances that you could use it for. And Alberta, land of the milk and honey, now starting a super conservative place, according to some people, is legalizing psychedelics for therapeutic patients, not for recreational use, even though that's what we all use it for, but for health patients. So the province announced a new amendment to the Mental Health Services Protection Regulation Act intended to facilitate more reliable safeguards for the use of psychedelics in treating mental health conditions like PTSD and depression. So these new requirements from the Alberta province of Alberta will take effect on January 16, 2023, and psychedelic therapy providers will need to have qualifications to provide psychotherapy, administration, and the administration of these drugs. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. And they're only going to be promoted, uh, and these drugs and the people who are able to administrate them, they'll only be able to be doing them in administered uh, or greenlit facilities and clinics. And I think this is good. Enough people are screaming about, it's a plant, it's a fucking mushroom, folks. It's a ketamine, it's whatever. It comes from the earth. What is the issue? So I love how Alberta, who is uh, seen by the rest of Canada, and even some of my liberal friends are saying, oh, it's such a redneck, backwards place. Perhaps, yeah, we got a lot of cowboys and conservative values here, but we also freaking pretty progressive. And when it comes to uh, things like health, mental wellness, we're the first province to green light something that would be considered by maybe conservatives of, of past uh, illicit, stupid drug use, which is poison and all this other stuff and backwards. No, no, no. We're listening to the data in Alberta and we're saying, hey, there is there is data that shows that psychedelics, when used in an appropriate and uh, responsible manner, can curb a lot of the mental health issues we're seeing in society. Why not try it? Why not use it? Especially for people who have no other uh, means of getting better. If you've tried everything under the book and nothing has worked, why not give psychedelics a go? Right? Mental health, it's like the, uh, it's the opioids of, of the masses when it comes to uh, the, the, some of the biggest issues we have going on in society. The things that are going on in society that are really affecting people's health are not really discussed they're not really evaluated. We're more concerned about uh, uh, politics and stuff like that to focus on what's really hurting people, which is like mental health, which could be driven by a lot of things like social media or PTSD or trauma. Um, all these things that are pushing people to have serious mental health issues, it could be solved by non-traditional methods. And you know, it's funny, when people do psychedelics um, kind of in a, in a recreational setting, it does help unintentionally a lot of their mental health issues. And that's more anecdotal based on people just telling me what happened to them during their mushroom trip or their LSD trip or whatever. But there is, it is, there is anecdotal proof from based on my life on this planet 
that people do feel better mentally after they do a very purposeful. I'm not talking like going to Ibiza, getting blitzed, or going to Tomorrowland or fucking Coachella, going to any kind of music festival and using it as a party drug. That's a different kind of set and setting. I'm talking about the set and setting where you're in the woods or you're by the campfire or you're with some friends at the park and you decide to do psychedelics and it's more kind of like a chill vibe and you have some kind of meditative, uh, you're, you get into like a meditative zone or you're more reflective. That's when the drugs can really do some really, really good things. And we're going to find out with Alberta being the first province to really take it all the way to the one yard line to see if we can score, man, see if we can punch this into the goal. And uh, maybe this is the first domino to fall towards getting it legalized across the board, not just in uh, uh, medical scenarios and or medical uh, uh, in the medical arena, in the mental health arena, but for recreation. So you can buy it from the fucking shop, from whatever. By the way, I'm going to find a bunch of investors once that day comes because, you know, Nova, cannabis, whatever, eat your heart out. When mushrooms get legalized, it's going to change the game. It will probably fix the world. And I mean, that, that might sound hyperbolic or crazy, but if you know, you know. Hockey Canada is in some deep doo-doo. Their management does not want to leave and they do not want to cooperate or they do not want to heal uh, because they are in some shit over not cover-ups but a huge issue with hockey when it comes to the culture and I don't know what that means specifically because that's a loaded word or phrase but the mainstream news is calling it a culture problem at the height of hockey the highest the highest level so the, the 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 board of directors for hockey Canada they're getting roasted right now because they won't secede. They won't leave. They are going to ride this one out for, for, for better or for worse with regards to the Hockey Canada scandal. Three months ago, a report came out from, I think, TSN or Sportsnet about the story of a girl in 2018 who essentially was assaulted by a group of hockey players on the Canada national team. I think it was the juniors or whatever, whatever level it was. Either way, um, she was assaulted at a party by a bunch of them. And uh, what happened was uh, she was paid out out of court um, or they settled out of court um, so that this wouldn't make the mainstream news and then somehow it leaked. And uh, now here we are where, you know, things like this are, you know, really disgusting, quite frankly, where, you know, there's an assault um, and uh, money is used to make it go away. And now we are faced with the the residue which is it's not acceptable to do this and it's terrible hockey canada does have a culture program adult culture um issue if this is the if this is the fruit of the culture of hockey uh in hockey canada then it needs to be changed and the ownership needs to acknowledge that and they need to figure out a way to uh change it and them staying on and being stubborn, if people are calling for their heads, is not going to help. It's not going to work. Uh, this is not a hill to die on, um, especially because hockey is such an institution in the country. It's like one of our pillars as far, as far as like a national pastime, as far as like an identity. Hockey is up there, man. So we cannot mess around with this. Do the right thing. Step down because... Canadians are going to be turned off really quick, especially when it comes to uh, assault um, of any kind. There was a book that came out when I was in university, or maybe it came out a little bit before that, but it was called Playing with Fire by Theo, Theo, Theo Fleury. 
can't say hockey names very well, but Theo 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 Flurry came out with a book called Playing with Fire, and it was about his come up in hockey and how he was sexually assaulted by one of his coaches. And this 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 has happened a few times in hockey before, but I remember studying it. We had to write a book, um, and it talked about how you know it was kind of swept under the rug, and the, the the people responsible were protected. And that's where people in society have a big issue with it now. You cannot protect people who do wrong. You have to have your day in court. You have to be exposed so that this doesn't continue. Uh, you know, sexual assault, any kind of assault is uh, is not tolerated. The only thing you can do in, in hockey uh, to assault is fight somebody on the ice. If you need to get it out of your system that bad, hockey is the last sport where you can actually fight somebody. And people love it because violence sells. Nothing sells like violence. But... The sponsors that have pulled out are significant. Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, uh, TELUS. These are huge premium type A gold sponsors that are like giving this organization, which is a non-for-profit, I believe, Hockey Canada, huge sums of money to operate and run and get nice equipment and be have nice training facilities and go on the road and have everything first class. These are afforded these are these are these are luxuries afforded to them because of the status hockey has in Canada. And if they fuck this one up, man, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for Canadian identity, the the values Canadians share, which is like, you know, being being charitable and being friendly and being hospitable, being kind. These are not the values that we see at the top of hockey today, um, which is unfortunate because I'm just starting to like hockey. So hopefully they can get that swept up. But if you haven't been uh, paying attention to the news, that is a big one that's happening. And uh, it's unfortunate because... Hockey is our national pastime, and if we can't fix this culture, and I wish somebody was here who could help me understand what that thing, when people say the culture of hockey needs to be fixed. I don't really understand what that means. I played football and basketball, and I understand what that culture is, but I don't want to speak on the culture of a sport I've never played in. I just know that if this is the fruit, like I said, it needs to be changed because that culture can't be good if they're, if they're, if they're, um, if they're, if they're kind of uh, you know protecting the identities and um, you know paying off women who are being sexually assaulted in locker rooms um, or parties or whatever it's not a good one so it needs to be fixed and hopefully it does soon has anyone bought the iPhone 14 I saw the ad for it the other day and it just seems like they're just trying to recycle the same old design over and over and over again I say this because the iPhone sales have dipped. They are not selling as many iPhones as they used to, which is not good. I mean, Apple is the most successful company in the world. Their free cash flow is over $100 billion, sorry, $100 billion <laughs> um, every single year. So they make a tremendous amount of money. They could, I think I heard a stat about how they wouldn't have to make a profit or sell, do any revenue for the next 10 years and they could still operate as they have been for the last, um, you know, they can maintain their operating budget uh, with no free cash flow for the next 10 years, which is tremendous. That's a great business. But they are starting to lag because everyone's got the phone. Um, I, I didn't pull the stats up on this, but I imagine the average phone is uh, kept by the user, the owner, for at least three or four years. I don't think there's a huge subsect of the population that is turning over or buying the newest model every single September when they launch a new phone. So where are the new sales coming from? And this news is very telling. So they moved their production facility to India. 
There's a number of reasons for this. Obviously, they have significant costs with Foxconn where they're producing right now. I think it was in China. So they moved that over to India, which is a bigger market, cheaper labor force, all these things. But it's a huge market when it comes to their actual commerce or sales. So to drive sales, they're not going to get it from North America anymore because of the things I just mentioned about the amount of years the average person keeps a new phone. I bought the iPhone 12 Pro. I probably won't buy a new phone until this one starts to tweak out, which is what they used to do to get you buy a new one. They would start putting glitches in the phone or make it slow down on purpose, so you would have to go and buy a new one. That was actually taken to court, and they were sued for a bunch of money. They stopped doing that. But until my phone starts to really become noticeably slower, um, I'm going to keep it. So I'm not a new customer for them for the next three or four years. So if a new phone costs 1500 bucks to them, you know, the, uh, you know, if you average that out, I'm, uh, buying a new phone every four years and the phone's like, I don't know, 1200 bucks. That's a $300 a year per a year customer, um, for me. So I also go into their other areas of their business, which they're getting smart with, which is like, uh, you know, Apple TV and all these other products that they sell, but the main business for them that made them this billion dollar, multi, multi billion dollar company, trillion dollar company is the iPhone because of the genius of Steve Jobs. But they are going down, right? So they are losing sales in North America, Apple. They are moving to India to tap into a bigger market and lower their labor costs. And then they're hitting some serious headwinds, right? By the other hegemony in the space which is google google is putting out similar products that are just as competitive they're not as they're not branded as nicely and as well and well designed as apple but they're they listen if you're trying to get from a to b doesn't matter if you get there on a surfboard or a yacht uh, really at the end of the day so these apple phones they work just as well they're just as fast and now they have the apple watches and here's the kicker they come in at a fourth of the price so for one-fourth of the price, you're getting essentially the exact same product. It just doesn't look as sexy, which is still means something in, in, you know, in marketing, in, in design, and in bragging rights and keeping up with the Joneses and all that. But how long until people are like, especially in today's climate with the way the, uh, the economy is going and people uh, being a little bit strapped for cash, not being able to buy a house like we were talking about earlier, how much are them, uh, how many people are going to be like, you know what, fuck it. I don't care if Susie thinks I'm cool because I, have a, I don't have an Apple. I'm going to buy this fucking Google and get it over with. So it's a serious question, right? So I don't know the last time the iPhone changed dramatically. They have this like uh, fun island they can do. I figure what it's called, but there's a little strip at the top of the phone now on the uh, front display where it's like the control center or something. And it's just another stupid quirk to put in to say, hey, this one's different from the last phone, but really it's not. And I'm not shitting on them. I love the product. It's a fantastic product, but there's not really any... I think it's hit uh, terminal velocity when it comes to the amount of designs and differences you can make with these phones. Like, they can't get much better than what they are right now. You'd have to put them in sunglasses or something, which I, th I heard Meta's trying to do. Uh, but there's a lot of things going on, right? So, And this has downstream effects with the rest of the tech. Uh, they have fantastic businesses, but when it comes to North America, they've kind of stalled out. Right, they've plateaued. The market is saturated with these products and services that these products, these companies offer. So to grow, um, which is the only method of capitalism that keeps these things operational and running, they have to go into new markets. They have to try new things. But while this is happening, with all the things happening in the world, there's people who are like, "I'm not coming back to work." <laughs> and Apple, they put out a mandate and a letter saying, "If you do not want to come back to work, consider this your resignation." <laughs> 
And then Amazon is is put a freeze on hiring, and they're you know they I think they laid off a bunch of people because their sales are slowing. So there's a lot of headwinds happening with tech, with the, what's happening on the world, with the end of COVID, the war, the supply chain, and now you have these things happening with slow sales. So what's happening now? Their their stocks are being cut in half. My buddy hits me up every three or four days saying, "Hey." You're never going to see the Apple stock this low again. You're never going to see the Amazon stock this low again. Uh, it's time to buy. Uh, if we're in a recession, which is what we technically are in, because it's two back-to-back uh, -back quarters um, of uh, slow growth or uh, negative growth, that's what a, that's what a recession is. Technically, this is where all the wealth is made historically, where people make tremendous amounts of money. Uh, they start successful companies. Uh, they buy stocks that pop five years later because they're so heavily discounted. If you have some money to play with, now's the time to do it. And the Apple sales are just kind of the tip of the market for that. So if you're in the market for um, for anything, go to stock, go to go to techs, uh, tech stocks. Um, a lot of things are going to be undervalued right now. It's -a me, a Mario. So, Super Mario Brothers. Do, 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 do. I grew up in the 90s. N64, of course, Super Nintendo. These games are a part of anyone who, really anybody in the world, identifies with the short Italian man in the plumber suit. The Italian plumber jumping through green vortexes, catching mushrooms, getting bigger, throwing firebombs, racing down the racetrack, jumping through hoops, grabbing stars, fighting Bowser. The movie it, you've all been waiting for is here. The Super Smash Bros. movie trailer came out, and I'm super nostalgic for it. When it comes to pop culture, it doesn't get more pop culture than Mario, Peach, Luigi, and the whole gang and Bowser. So... I'm very pumped for this movie. I think it's I think it's incredibly cool. I could not imagine the amount of contracts and legal and all that stuff that had to happen to make this thing happen. Chris Chris Pratt is playing Mario, which I'm fine with. I think Chris Pratt is super talented. I think he's got a I think he's got a cool uh, I think he's got a cool delivery, and he'll be able to do the character justice. Uh, and I'm really excited for this. There's a lot of movies that come out that are like, meh. And of all the movies that are rehashes of classic characters in culture, in the culture and in uh, pop culture, I'm probably more excited about this one than really anything else. Because it's part of everyone's childhood. If you're a millennial, everyone played Super Smash Bros. Everyone played Mario Kart. Everyone played Mario Party. So I hope there's a bunch of these movies and I hope this movie does well. I'm very curious to see, um, you know, how the story plays out, and if they go to all the, if they go to all the lands that they portrayed in the movies um, or in the video games, and uh, <laughs> if they can, if they can tie in some comedy somehow, it's just it's just really exciting. I encourage you to watch this movie. Came out the trailer came out this week, which is why I'm reporting on it. I think it's relevant. I think it's uh, I think it's part of the zeitgeist when it comes to everyone's thought process. Everyone can relate with these characters. And uh, I'm a Luigi guy myself, and I'm playing Super Smash Bros. I use Ness because he's uh, he actually no, I use I use Ness and I use Mario. I can use those guys the best um, for the for the 64 and also for the GameCube and for now the Nintendo Wii. Uh, yeah, those games are sick. So looking forward to this movie. Should be good. Mm -hmm.
Twitter. Is Twitter purchased by Elon? Who knows? But it's in the news, and he's the richest man in the world, and it's a significant purchase that could have downstream effects for the rest of the tech world, for the rest of uh, really the economy. Because when you're the richest man in the world and you're making place, if you're making, you're buying things for forty billion dollars, um, and you uh, can execute, which he can. I'm very, very intrigued. I've never used Twitter. I've never had it, which is why I'm probably such a happy-go-lucky, fun-loving guy. <laughs> I don't have a lot of stress. And I, I kind of half-kid because I do know that um, <laughs> on an equilibrium, the people who have Twitter versus the people who don't that I know, the people who don't have Twitter are two times happier. <laughs> Or they're 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 not as edgy, they're not as stressed out as the person who does have Twitter. The person who does have Twitter, uh, they can turn the tiles up on that service to make you happy or sad. The algorithm knows who you are, and if they want you to use the app more, they can just play on that and get the algorithm to feed you shit that's gonna get you pissed off or gonna get you fired up. And anything that can play with your site with your psyche that way, I'm not a big fan of. So hopefully. Um, Elon can come in and disrupt it. They're not making money as a company as it sits right now. They they don't they, they they've had negative sales for the last I don't know what it is three or four years. So just as a company, when it comes to the X's and O's of a company, making great products, uh, driving revenue, uh, returning money for the shareholders and value for the shareholders, as a company they haven't been doing that. Um, they've been very static. And if anybody can drive value in the market and sell stuff, it's Elon. He knows what he's doing. He is extremely pragmatic, um, probably the most pragmatic person you could think of. I love his interviews when someone's asking him about, hey, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he, he thinks of it, he thinks of questions and he thinks of, he thinks of problems like a physics student. He goes back to first principles. He's like, what are, what are our limiting, what are the forces acting on us? What are, like he acts, he talks like a physics professor. And obviously he's got a rocket company, so he's got to know a little bit about physics, but I really, I really rock with that kind of strategy when it comes to just doing anything in life. It's like, what are the first principles? What do we have to identify? And with Twitter, it's eyeballs, people using the service, how many people are bots, um, what is the outcome, what is it? And also when it comes to the social and really the, the Western ideals and morals of Twitter. Is it a platform for censorship? Is it a platform for um, ideology? Um, you know, who gets prefer who, who gets preferential treatment? I think everyone knows it's more of a left-leaning liberal platform, which is whatever. It's a private company. You can do what you want. But if it's the if it's the town square that they claim to be, then you need to have everyone there talking and having a voice. You know, what's the first thing that Elon's going to do? Well, he's probably going to unban Trump. He's probably going to unban uh, Alex Jones. Um, and, you know, say what you want about those kind of folks. But, uh, you know, Twitter not having um, access to some of these personalities, I would argue it's a net negative. Um, so not allowing people to speak, um, silencing, censoring, whatever you want to call it, it's uh, historically never been a good idea. So for someone like Elon to come around and be like, hey, he's the ultimate competitive person, he's the ultimate free market person, he's going to say, hey, listen, if these guys' ideas are terrible, which you guys obviously believe they are, let them compete in the free market and see what happens. Because if they're bad, they won't compete. But if they're compelling, which people on the left and more liberal-leaning people will say, uh, yeah, they are compelling, well, then make a more compelling argument. And we'll see what happens. 
And this is why I can already hear people cringing and their butt cheeks clenching up because of what I'm saying. But that's the beauty of Twitter. It's supposed to be a town square. It's supposed to be um, a platform for sharing ideas and getting people to think outside the box. And it hasn't been doing that as of late. So uh, I'm excited if Elon buys it. If he doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all um, because I don't use it the service either way. And I won't after he buys it. <laughs> but it's good to report on because it's a significant purchase. I think he's back in at 55 or 56 bucks per share. Um, and uh, I've heard another, a, a lot of strategy, a lot of theories about why he's actually buying it. Like, I don't think he cares as much about the social issues or the downstream, downstream political or cultural effects of Twitter as much as he does about maybe liquidizing some free cash so he can make some other purchases. And uh, to buy this, to buy Twitter, he had to liquidize like $9 billion of Tesla stock, which uh, he wouldn't be able to do unless he um, uh, had a good reason for it because unloading stock as the CEO of a company normally starts ringing alarm bells for the investing community or anyone who has a stock because he's like, oh, what does Elon know that I don't? Like, is something happening at Twitter? Is something bad about to happen? It just makes people leave the company. But if he's saying, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I need to liquidize some of my stock so I can buy something else, then people will start to chill. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Elon's just being Elon. He's, uh, he still believes in Tesla. But um, it's just a theory. I don't know. I'm not inside Elon's head. If I was, I'd probably be doing this podcast <laughs> full time, uh, which is one of my goals. That would be kind of cool. So that is the first report weekly report for everything going on in the eyes of akeem the dream and i hope you enjoyed it hope you have a good day enjoy the pumpkin pie that's all i gotta say peace